Welcome to She Inspires Me. I'm your host, Caroline Bruni, founder of She Inspires Me and Organise Curate Design. Launched as a Facebook passion project back in 2017, She Inspires Me has been reborn to highlight the incredible women we all encounter in our everyday lives and how we can take inspiration from them. Thanks to our key sponsor, Organise Curate Design, I welcome you to listen and get inspired as we showcase these incredible women. Hi everyone and welcome back to the She Inspires Me podcast. I am really excited today because I have the pleasure of interviewing um, not only a very dear friend but someone who I am incredibly inspired by. So welcome Dr. Lisa Gadd. This is the first and last time I will give call you by your formal name because it feels really weird. I don't think I've ever heard you call me that. <laughs> um, so welcome, thank you for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm now, so excited for this episode. <laughs> um, so I'm going to give our listeners a little bit about you so um, they can get to know you and why I do call you so formally Dr. Lisa Gadd, um, so they can get to know you and find out all about the things that make you as amazing as I know that you are. Um, so Dr. Lisa Gadd has always been fiercely passionate about health. However, it wasn't until suffering a stroke in 2014 that she was able to appreciate the implications of what it is to lose bodily function and to deal with emotional loss of poor health, or to understand the resilience required to rebuild the mind, body, and spirit post-trauma. In this period, Lisa harnessed courage and a firm commitment to reframe her belief systems to ensure she was able to come back stronger than ever, and in doing so, developed a new level of empathy for the clients she was working with as a health practitioner and coach. Today, Dr. Lisa Gadd is an esteemed business leader and the founder of Living Health Group. She is an osteopath, fitness professional, and nationally recognized coach and trainer within the health and fitness industry. In business, she takes great pride in nurturing the culture of her team and supporting her staff to execute her vision of caring and compassionate healthcare, focusing on holistic health solutions that treat all aspects of well-being. With a Bachelor in Applied Science and Master's in Osteopathy, if I don't think I've said that right, under her wing, and more than a decade of experience, Lisa passes on her skills to the next generation, lecturing at Victoria University in Melbourne, teaching osteopathy. Um, she is also a valued member of the Project Gen Z and Ambezi community, empowering the next generation of entrepreneurs in Australia and around the world to to dare to dream via entrepreneurial education. So I've already said that you are by far one of my very best friends. Um, I, you know, we spend a lot of time together and we talk almost every day. Um, so it is a real pleasure to have you on as a guest, but also to kind of share with our community why I'm inspired by you and why I've brought you on today. Um, but it does kind of feel a bit odd kind of reading out your bio and like, you know, when you know someone really well, but then you read the stuff and I'm like, oh, this is really impressive. Well done. <laughs> um, so there's definitely a specific part of your bio and your story that um, 
kind of stands out and it would stand out to anyone because once you kind of hear it, it sticks in your mind. And I've, you know, had the pleasure of even sitting on stages with you when we've spoken at events um, where you've shared this part of your story. But for the listeners, can you talk us through what happened in 2014 and, you know, just, just what that experience was all about? Yeah. Um, so 2014, I was a, I would be 24. So I was doing, Caroline, what most 24-year-olds were doing. Um, I'd graduated uni, so I was working as an osteopath in my profession. Um, yeah, I was a normal 24-year-old. I went to work. I was playing heaps of netball and sport. I was socialising on the weekend. I was, um, yeah, doing what normal what for me at the time, normal, um, what seemed normal. And then all of a sudden, um, one day I woke up with a cracking headache um, and I knew, like I was sensitive to light and I knew just something wasn't right. And it wasn't until going to hospital, being diagnosed with, at the time, meningitis, um, which is inflammation of the brain. Um, they told me to go home and rest. So I was lying at home on the couch um, and then three days later I ended up having a stroke at home on the couch. And that was the start of a three-month three hospital, um, six-month recovery journey of um, rehabilitation, learning to walk, learning to talk properly, getting back to a new life, which is like a new normal for me. So... Obviously, not many of us, like I, I actually don't think that anyone exists in the world, um, especially as adults that haven't experienced some kind of trauma. The reality is that's just how, what life is all about um, or an element of life. Um, but not all of us have experienced physical trauma. Um, so is there, knowing what you know, as a health professional, is there something that you would, what would you change if you could go back to 2014 or even 2013? Because obviously, you know, we're leading up to this point in time, this pivotal moment. What would you change? Like, is there anything you could have changed? Interesting question. Look, I believe everything happens for a reason. And like, I would not wish this like a stroke on any anybody let alone any family um as you know i've got two brothers um mum dad so for them and my friends as well it was it was really traumatic um i wouldn't wish any on this on anyone but i'm incredibly grateful for what i've gone through um and what i've overcome because it's given me one a huge dose of resilience but it's also steered me on the path that i'm now um it's made me a better health um, it's made me appreciate life a heap more and it makes makes me appreciate the people in my life um, a huge more and it enables me to inspire and impact um, the other people but also our future generation so would I change anything no but what I did learn and what I probably if I could tell my younger 23 four year old self um, would be to listen to my body more and to look after um, you know, to value your body and to, yeah, to, to look after it and listen to it because it, it's, it's giving us the feedback it needs to put us on the right path to better health. Um, so I probably was a little bit ignorant of, you know, I was running life at 100 miles an hour. I was just doing what I thought was normal for a 24-year-old. Um, 
so yes, I'd probably listen to my body better, but would I change what I've gone through? Probably not because I wouldn't be where I am and I wouldn't have um, be able to help people the way I do without going through that. So I think it's definitely helped and shaped me for the better as opposed to why me? And, mm. I, and I definitely had those thoughts going through. It's like, why, why am I going through this? Um, this is unfair. But looking back and getting through it, um, I think it's definitely helped me better as opposed to um, the worse. Yeah, and I, and I think that's essentially what trauma does. Um, yes. You know, trauma is not supposed to be fun, um, but there's a lesson um, or multiple lessons. And sometimes they're lessons you take at the time and then sometimes it's they still there's all these silver linings along the journey um, as I'm sure that when you talk about this experience today and the learnings that you're still picking up today, when you think back to that point in time and, and all the changes um, that's the, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm never going to sugarcoat trauma, but that's the beauty of it. Um, and I agree that sometimes we wish that things didn't happen and it does feel unfair, but there's always a way. And I think, that's the resilience piece that um, is mentioned in your bio, definitely around what we take from the experience and then what we do with it, what, what lessons we take and what we share. Um, you, you said something just then that really resonated for me around the mindfulness piece um, and the kind of being in tune with uh, our bodies and our, um, ourselves as a whole. Um, do you find that, do you, like, cause I know that you work with patients right across the board and um, like, I know you have a strong passion for working with women, but I know you work with footy clubs and young men and whatever else. Do you find that the mindset of a 20 year old is I'm invincible and that maybe was a big part of, I'm just going to power through or like, I know that with my 15 year old, he genuinely thinks he's invincible. So is that part of the lack of mindfulness? Do you think? Um. I think for me, the turning point was, yeah, I think it is. Like, I think, you know, because we are so young and fit and healthy, we're like, we can do anything. And I think also because we haven't come across the challenge or resilience um, in our previous life, like, you know, don't really face a lot of hardship, like going up through life. It's not until, you know, you kind of hit the our later life that we and I'm generalizing but um, a lot of people face like challenges and trauma and and those times so I think because we spend being teenagers and adolescents and young adults with no challenges we just think that you know life life's easy and we're invincible and we can do anything and um, and it's a really good attitude to have but there's also that realistic component that you know life is going to throw you curveballs and you don't know when it's going to happen. Um, and for some people it doesn't happen at all, but you know, I know for you and I, it happens and at times it keeps happening, but we just face it and we go, okay, cool. What are we going to learn here? How can we handle this? Who's around us and how can we move forward? What's this here to teach us? So with that, with that understanding and that, I guess, experience of what can be and or what could happen and, and what has happened. Um, one of the things that I know that is really dear to your heart and one of the things that I know that you're known for is your leadership, um, your leadership within your team, 
at your practice, um, your leadership within the community, um, especially around the sporting clubs and whatever else that you work with. How do you describe your leadership style and, and, and what, what kind of drew you to, to take on that role? That is a very good question. Um, and I've actually never really thought about it up until, like you said, <laughs> until you, like until you've mentioned it. Um, I think in terms of a leader, um, I, I'm definitely, a, I lead by example. So I know for my team, I'm like, okay, if I'm, if I'm asking them to do something, I've got to do it as well. And it's a whole, um, be the example. Um, I remember someone said to me, the whole monkey see, monkey do. So if your team sees you doing it, they're more likely to do it. And that really stuck and related with me. Um, I think as a leader, I'm very approachable and open, but my team also know I'm going to stretch them. I'm really big on growth and development. Um, if we want to get from A to B, I'll help you get to B, but it might be uncomfortable. So it's, um, I'm really about... <laughs> I really, I know what you're going to ask. I'm just smiling. I know. Just... <laughs> um, yeah, I think I'm really, I'm a hands-on leader. Um, I'll get in there. I'll get dirty. I'll, I'll walk with you through the trenches, but I'll make sure we get there the other side um, and I'll be there and I'll support you all the way um, along the journey. I think yeah. That, um, I think that's how my leadership style is. Um, I love seeing people grow, develop um, and become a better version of themselves. Um, so my goal as a leader, whether like you're on my team or whether I'm working with you as a client is how can we always, how can we get you from A to B, um, I guess one the quickest, but also how can we get you performing at your best, um, whether that's in a team environment or with your health and wellbeing. It's like how can, how can we always be that little bit better, that 1% better each day? Yeah. And it's, um, I guess, that path analogy of work, working and walking alongside someone and them knowing that they can lean on you, they can call on you, um, but you're also there to kind of prop them up and let them be autonomous at the same time. Um, I think I personally like know that that leadership style always resonates really well with me. Um, and with a lot of other people, um, it's a it's kind of it's similar to how I lead my team as well. Um, so we often laugh about this analogy, and I remember this conversation really clearly. We were in the car on the way back from a workshop, and I don't even know how this came up, but I was like, "You're just always yelling at people, saying, give me the ball,' <laughs> and you've got this real kind of go getter, just let me do it approach." And now I find this interesting because of what we just talked about. So there's this real, uh, I've always found this, this balance in you to be almost contradicting in the sense that you can be such a nurturing, I will back you, let's go do this together approach in your leadership style. But at the same time, you're like yelling at people going, hey, can we just get it done? Um, so where do you think, how, how does that all play? In, in the same space and then where does that come from like that real drive and fire of being a go-getter and just wanting yeah to <laughs> um a little bit of context to that <laughs> give me the ball because those that don't know you and I that well <laughs> um I've, I think playing so much sport growing up um and I played at quite a competitive level so I've always had that competitive drive in me whether it's 
on the sporting field and now in business. So for me, um, it's funny because I strong, my biggest strength is my drive and my determination, but it's also my biggest weakness as well. It's a balancing act, just as you said, of how do you drive and go and hustle and encourage, like get people from A to B, but still have that, um, like still have that nurturing and that compassionate and, you know, I'm with you. Like we're going this way and I'm going to help you get there, but I'm going to hold your hand on the way kind of, kind of thing. Um, and it is a real balancing act, but I think it's, I think my ability, the thing that makes me different is my ability to connect with people um, and that compassion. I think that's how I balance it. Um, like, yes, I'm super driven, um, but also I'll have you back 100% as well and I'll help you get to where you need to be um, on the same path on the journey. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So when it comes to that mindset around that real driven approach, have you found that, with your experience from 2014, um, have you found that you've had to back it down or do you just reapply it? Um, I think, and if I look back at 2014, you know, I went through that time and it was, it was doctors and it was a medical profession. They were the ones that said, look, you're not going to make it. You're not meant to be here. And that was when I, like, I had, it's like a switch flicked in my brain and it was like, you know, I knew I was here to do something more um, and to serve the world in in some capacity. Um, I didn't know what it was at the time, but I just knew that um, I had something within me and I think that fire still burns. Like I, I feel like I'm still here to make an impact, even if it's, one person um, at a time or one, um, you know, we speak to from, from groups of like five to 10 to a couple of hundred people. And every time um, I'm either speaking to someone or working with someone, like if we can impact someone just on like one person, um, then we've, we've done a good job. And I think that fire still burns in me from that, from back from there. Um, and I think it just, it lights up every day. It's like, how can we, we can get people being even just 1% doing better or trying something different um, or backing themselves, then, then I think we've made an impact. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's, it can be really hard to transfer that energy um, when you're trying to motivate someone and, but also trying to pass that on to them so they can self-motivate. Um, yeah. Because it's one thing to have someone pushing you and, and just checking in and holding you accountable and kind of driving and driving and driving. But the mo- if sometimes at the moment as a coach, you step away from the person, they just, um, they become really static again. Um, so it can be a, a tricky balance to, to do the coaching and the encouraging whilst also not yelling at them going, just let me do it. <laughs> um, which, you know, I'm, I, it's funny because we're really different in that way, but then we're really similar in that way as well. Yeah. I just don't think I yell at people and tell them to give me the ball because I hate team sports. <laughs> I don't do team sports. <laughs> no. Let me do something on my own. <laughs> you're like you're like the one on the sideline cheering, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, let's yeah. do. <laughs> Very much so. Um, I, it's funny because I think back to like the first time I went to like a group 
um, exercise class or whatever and everyone was like slapping each other on the back and cheering each other on and I was like these people need to leave me alone like stop talking to me (laughs) Um, it's really interesting how like what motivates people and how that resonates like for me I'm just like I need to get in my zone I need to do my thing and it's, it's also how I when I'm focused on work or whatever if I'm bunkered down I get like I really smash it out but I can almost get distracted by too many things going on at once. But um, it's very interesting. I think I'll be curious to hear um, what the listeners think and how they kind of, if they're a self-starter and more of a solo, I've got to get it done myself. Or if it's, I need, I need my whole squad to kind of bring me along with for the ride. So it'll be interesting to see what the comments are. Um, Now, there's quite a few different types of groups and youth groups um, that you work with. Um, I have, um, for those, if anyone that's kind of listening in in consecutive order, um, they would have heard my recent interview with Liz Volpe um, from Project NZ and MBZ. And and during that, um, that interview, I mentioned that you were the kind of prompter for me to even be a part of that program and, and whatever else. Um, with the work that you're doing with the youth of today and the leaders of tomorrow, what are you finding to be the key learnings that they kind of need or want and, and how are you finding that experience? Um, well, I absolutely love it, but I, I feel like our youth um, of today are super eager to make a difference. Um, I also feel like they want to see change in the world um yeah they're definitely there's a lot of go-getters out there there is definitely a different generation coming through um they're committed to making a difference um and standing out i from what i've seen so far yeah yeah and what do you find that is the key thing that you're adding to the mix when you're meeting with them um i think for a lot of it's it's that fact like believing that anything is possible that they actually can do whatever they choose or want to do but also like you're gonna stuff up you're gonna have mistakes but mistakes are proof that you're trying um so keep at it because you really can do whatever you choose to do so one of the things I chatted to Liz about when we were kind of comparing our experience in Cambodia versus the experience here in Australia, um, what took me through your experience on your first trip to Cambodia? I Like I wasn't there. Um, I saw you beforehand, but I'd only just really met you like a few months beforehand. And then I saw you afterwards and I said to you, I, I noticed almost a physical change in you. Um, how did the how did the program work? Because um, we didn't actually talk about that much. So how does the Project NZ program in Cambodia work? And then what did you kind of yeah. gain from that? Yeah. Um, so we had over there, I, I think I went the year before you came. Yeah. yeah. 2017, I think you went. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Um, so we had over there, there was 25 entrepreneurs and we run what, uh, what's called the Apprentice Challenge. So um, what happens is all the kids or students are in groups and they're assigned a couple of Aussie entrepreneurs and what they do is they have a product and they get to rebrand it. So they might have like a water bottle or, or they make a product 
um, as well, or they make a service or they create a service. Um, so we teach them things like marketing, sales, how to pitch, how to be a leader, um, all those fundamentals of business. And then on the final day, the groups hit the streets of Cambodia and we've got about a two hour window. And they get to sell their product um, on the streets of Cambodia. And the winning team gets to, uh, I think we went ice skating the first year, um, ice skating in burgers. So we take them Ice skating out. in Cambodia. Ice <laughs> <laughs> Cambodia. <laughs> um, so the winning team gets to go, um, go out one night with us. We go ice skating, we have burgers, and then there's an overall winner who gets um, $1,000 US towards their education. So um, that's how the program runs. My biggest, the biggest thing I noticed, my biggest takeaway from the whole experience was I just couldn't believe, like, we're in a third world country. A lot of these kids, um, they don't know who their family is. They Technically, they are orphans. I know we don't like to use that word, but um, they are. But yet they are the happiest kids that I have ever met. They are so incredibly grateful for everything they are so loving of each other they're um to them everyone's their brother and sister so like everyone is family um they're so loving there's there's no thing they don't have the issues that we've got in school of bullying bitching um they're all just friendly with each other they all get on um they all look after each other and they're just so loving and caring um and grateful even though they've They've had, you know, some of them have, have had really unfortunate upbringings, um, but they're just the most kind, compassionate and loving people that you'll ever meet, yet they've got not much at all. Mm. They've had a really different and harsh upbringing, but yet they're so happy. Mm. And that's, that's the real contrast between, um, like, a, one of our biggest issues here in our schools is, is bullying. Um, yeah, and... Yeah. They don't, they don't have any of that. Yeah, the bullying and um, mental health and the the issues that we see here in Australia from children like really really young um, who are you know suffering from anxiety and suffering from different mental health issues. Um, yeah, it's it's it it's concerning. Um, it's it's kind of it's so hard as well because it's hard to kind of say well. Maybe if we take everything away, because we don't live in that world, so it doesn't. Like, you can't. You can't really apply the Cambodian environment to Australia because we're just in a very different place. Um, but yeah, I, I had a very similar experience of just scratching my head a little bit, going, "Wait, what? Like, why is this so?" It's almost you strip it all back, and it goes back to the bare basics of what does a human being need? They need to be loved. They need to be appreciated and nurtured. Um, they obviously need the bare essentials around food and shelter and safety and and whatever else. And then once you have those things, then you can very much just sit back and go, "Life is pretty good. I've got all the things I actually need." Um, you don't need all those extra things. We have them and therefore we have to deal with whatever comes with them. But did you find, um, so going, leaving to go to Cambodia, you obviously didn't know what to expect yeah. um, other than what had you'd been told. And Liz doesn't tell us a lot. So that's always, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> there's a lot of trust that goes into that situation. Um, but I, as I said, I noticed a real change in you 
post Cambodia and um, what were there any kind of real standout um, changes or moments that you went, wow, I need to do this now or I need to change this now? Yeah, I think for me it was really, um, it was a couple of things. One, not sweating the small stuff. So, you know, especially you and I are both in business, we've got a lot on our plate. Um, I know sometimes I can get caught up in like the little stuff and it's really like, is that going to matter in five years? Like really need to think about big picture. Um, And I think my other big thing that I've really taken from Cambodia that I get to practice every day is the gratitude of where I'm at, what I've achieved, where I'm going. Um, You know, I'm fortunate. I've got a roof over my head. I've got incredible people in my life. Um, I've got food and water and I can feed myself. Hmm. So life really isn't that bad. Hmm. So I think it's just that real constant reminder to um, appreciate exactly where I'm at, what I've achieved, um, what I'm doing, and then also realising not to sweat the small stuff because there is so many people in the world a hell of a lot worse um, than you and I. And, like, yeah. Yeah, it's so true. And I think those practices of even being conscious of what we're grateful for and and being really mindful of being in the moment and um, uh, don't get me wrong, um, we've both experienced the like the post Cambodia bubble where it's really hard to integrate back into normal life. Um, and it's also really hard not to get really angry at everyone. <laughs> um, I know that I'll walk around for a, sometimes almost a month where I'm just like, someone will be at a cafe yelling at the wait staff about their, you know, the, their flat white was supposed to be a latte or something like that. And I'm just like, there's people in the world that don't have food. Calm down. Yeah. Um, but I have to rein that back because I realised that they didn't go to Cambodia. So they are just living their life and doing their thing and probably need to be a bit calmer about their coffee. But, yeah, and but it starts to fade. And I think when we take those those gems, those those golden moments that we learn um, from any experience, and we kind of implant them into the day to day routines that can make the world of difference. Um, so I know that we, um, you know, we're in COVID. Life's a little bit tricky at the moment. Um, well, that's an understatement as a business owner. Um, what have you found to be the biggest? learnings from this time um and what have you what have you had to put in place that's just from a mindset point of view like i know from a business point of view we've all had to put stuff in place um but what's changed for you in the last couple of months mindset it's been a really it has definitely been a challenging time and i i remember um like you and i spoke in the very first few like days and weeks of COVID and we were feeling all the feels like we were having so many mixed emotions. Um, and I think especially for me, like my business was in a real growth phase and then out of us, all of a sudden out of nothing in my own doings, like we just were down 60% boom just overnight. Mm. And you, you have all those mixed emotions. You question what you're doing. You question your leadership. You're like, am I meant to be like, you just have all those, those feelings and that, um, so probably the first two weeks were really icky, maybe even first, yeah, maybe month, mm. um, so many feelings, but I think the good thing that's come out of this is it's been a chance to, to slow down. Um, it's been a chance to stop and check in, um, I guess with myself and what is it I need? What am I working on? Um, it's, 
it's probably made me stop and have a look at everything in my life and um, where am I going? What do I spend more time on or who with? Um, I've managed to free up a few more hours. I'm not working. I'm actually working more, but I'm actually, I've got more me time. So um, finding that balance with that as well. So it's been a really good opportunity to just stop checking with where I'm at, what I'm working on, and then moving forward, what's actually important, um, who's important in my life and who do I want to spend more time with. Yeah, yeah. And it's and I think obviously we're both based in Victoria and I think we've, you know, we've had a bit of a blow in the last 72 hours where we've, we're meant to be going forwards in regards to easing restrictions and we've kind of had to go backwards with certain yeah. elements. And, and it does, it makes you reassess, okay, well, wait, who am I actually physically going to see? Um, who are who are my essential people um, as such, and and what do I need uh, for my own mental health and my self care and and whatever else, um, which is which is incredibly tricky because we we do want to start entering back into a new normal and or entering a new normal, but it's it's challenging. Um, what have you found to be the projects or the elements that you think you'll take into this post-COVID when we get there? Are there things that you're like, hey, that, that's actually really, really good. I'm going to stick to that. Um, I have actually found I've saved a heap of time by doing online meetings. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I really don't like this. But to be honest, sometimes I have actually saved heaps of time with like more Zoom calls um, as opposed to actually having physical face-to-face meetings, like you've got to drive somewhere. Um, that, so that's actually been a plus for me. Um, I think for me it's I've probably carved more time out for myself, um, doing the things that I need for me, training, yoga, um, journaling, meditation, those things. So, um, And I've actually really enjoyed the extra little bit of sleep it's only like an hour, but I, it's made such a difference to how I'm feeling um, and how I'm operating and I'm actually way more efficient. So mm. there are a couple of things that I've really um, enjoyed. Yeah. I've created more time for myself. My body is and my mind is feeling um, optimal, which is good. Mm. And I'm being a bit more time efficient. <laughs> Hey, you speak in my language. If you, if efficiencies and time efficiencies. It's like old. <laughs> um, so with that extra time, have you cooked up any new projects? Is there anything exciting or anything? Because um, we haven't talked a lot about your coaching um, and, you know, this whole other side of um, the work that you do. Um, so what's, what's next? Be it yeah. post-COVID or tomorrow or yeah. whatever. What are you cooking up at the I'm moment? Actually in the, I'm actually in the middle, right in the middle of a little bit of a, um, a, a rebrand with my coaching and speaking. So at the moment, it's what's in the pipeline is getting that up and running. Um, and I'm already working with some clients, but my goal is to take that to the next level, um, be on some more stages, inspire people on a larger scale than what um, I'm currently doing um, yeah and hope to to grow that more yeah and I guess don't get me wrong I'm a little bit biased but um, for anyone that's listening that is looking for 
a speaker or someone who can share a really real, raw and honest story that has, you know, some really lovely silver linings, but some real deep lessons um, and practical approaches to those lessons, um, I would definitely recommend that you contact Lisa to, to engage with her in whatever format works. Like I, I know that, as you said, you've got your coaching, you've got, we're doing more stuff online in regards to Zoom and that sort of stuff, which is great. Um, and then the more traditional keynote style. Um, is there anything personally? I know that you were working at the start of the year, you were, you were doing triathlons and yeah. then the world stopped. So what's, um, obviously you still a bit tired, hands are tired, hands and feet are tired based on COVID, but is that still on the cards physically for you? Well, potentially. I am still training, um, and by training I'm running and riding. Yep. Um, I haven't got back in the pool yet. Freezing. So I, yeah. cold. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am still training for a triathlon. Um, whether it's going ahead, that is, that's another question, and I feel like we're not going to get an answer for that until another month or two um but yeah so for me it's keeping fit and healthy i have actually just started a new um i've gone back to hit training so i'm working with fit stop at the minute for probably the next month just to mix things up a bit um give me a bit of variety yeah. but fingers crossed um noosa triathlon will be on the cards in november so wow. we'll see that's, that's impressive now for for some for anyone listening now, I'm like, I'm not the person you listen to when you want motivation when it comes to fitness. Um, it's just not my thing. And that's totally cool. I can do other things. Um, but for those listeners who are in their comfortable COVID body, most of us are, we have all eaten more cake and drunk more wine or eaten more chocolate or whatever. And that's totally cool. Like, Whatever you've done, you needed and wanted to do, and I'm a big believer in just eat the damn cake. But um, for those who are listening and are like, oh, I really need that magic message to help me get into the triathlon training or the back at the gym or whatever, what, what's the starting point? What's, what's the first thing they need to do? I think it's really about setting that goal. And... Um, I think if you've got something set on what you want to achieve, whether it's you want to run 10Ks, whether you, like for me, want to complete the triathlon, um, whether you just want to be able to walk up the flight of stairs without puffing. Um, That's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's, really about, it's, it's about setting, first up, setting the goal. Okay, what, what is it I want to achieve? And then the structure. Okay, how am I going to achieve it? What, what are the little steps I need to take to make this happen? So is it I start with walking twice a week for 20 minutes, um, then I build after week two I build to three times a week and then I might build up to, um, so it's really breaking it down into micro steps and then having an accountability buddy, <laughs> have someone that keeps you accountable um, to make sure that when things get tough or when you're not in the mood or, um, you know, you get tired as we all do, um, someone's there to encourage you to go, okay, look, you said you were going to do this. Like, let's keep at it. Yeah. And I'm all about accountability. So I, and it's the same theory that we, uh, we always talk about um, at Organised Curate Design about making sure that you stick to the things, the promises that you make to yourself 
Um, and then if you know that it's not something you really want to do, but it's something you have to do or that you've set a goal for, then making sure that there's someone there to give you a little prod when you need to. So that totally makes sense. Um, so to wrap things up, I would really love to know um, who you are inspired by and, and why. Like who, who are you looking at at the moment going, man, that person's doing some amazing things or have always had kind of as someone that's been someone you've looked at and gone. Yeah. There's probably, I don't probably wouldn't have one person in particular, but um, like you and I are really fortunate in terms of, who our network of strong female leaders are. And it's taken me a good 30 years to get that. But um, I look around me and, you know, they say if you've got five people that you can rely on, you're doing really well. And for me, it's it's looking at those five people and, you know, you're 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 in that, um, like Lise, look, got the Lises, Liz, like those strong female um, women that you might not speak to every day, but you know that, okay, if something, if I need help or support with something, they're there for me and they go, they want to see me win as much as I want to see them win. And um, I think for me, it's about, it's it's those women, you know, like you and, and Liz and Lisa and Lisa um, that are there for me and that support, give that support, um, even though, you know, we don't have to be on the phone every day. It's, yeah. Um, for me, it's about, it's those group of women that are also going out there and trying to make an impact in the world um, and make a difference. Mm. So um, there wouldn't be one such person, but I'm very grateful for, um, especially going through this COVID period, you know, it's, we've had that, I've had that team behind me to go, okay, when I'm feeling down, these girls are going to help pick me up because um, they know what I'm capable of and Mm. they want to see me win just as much as I want to see them win. Yeah. And I think sometimes, and that was kind of one of the key goals that I had in creating this podcast in the first place. Like we can very quickly look to celebrities or people on people that have a platform um, that don't have to be celebrities, but people that have influence and, um, and turn to them and look at them and go, Oh, this is what I need. And we forget that our peers um, whoever they are, um, whoever we choose for them to be, especially as an adult, because you're making choices, like you're making choices regardless, even as a child, but a, as an adult, it's so much harder because we're so busy to maintain good friendships. And those peers, those five people, like the theory of you're the average of the five people around you sort of thing. Um, sometimes we underestimate the value that they hold and the inspiration that they provide to us. So I totally agree. and. Um, and I think everyone listening can probably think of some people in their life that they go, wow, I'm so grateful for that person. And they all bring different elements, um, but it's the lovely balance that good friendship brings. So, um, so that's great. That's lovely to hear. Um, there are a few that you just mentioned, like I said, we've, we've um, had an interview with Liz, so people will have her details, but the, the, the other women that you mentioned are all working on some incredible projects as well, so I'll um, make sure to tag them as well in our show notes. So, um, well, thank you. Thank you for, like, sitting and having this more formal style chat. We chat <laughs> like this, like, all the time, but we just don't record it. We could probably yeah. do a podcast every week. Um, but I don't know, like the Lisa and Caroline podcast, we'll see how that goes. Um, 
But thank you for being a guest on the podcast. And um, what I will do is make sure that we tag Living Health Group, your actual website, so drlizagad.com.au, um, so we can make sure that people can connect with you there as well if they're looking to engage with you um, as a speaker or a coach. And um, that will all be in the show notes and the socials that we share. So thank you so much for being on. Thank you for having me. It was heaps of fun. We'll chat to you soon. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you for joining us today and being a part of this incredible community. Remember to hit subscribe and join us in our next episode to be inspired by more exceptional women.